I'm guessing you're here today uh, because you love missions. And um, I love missions as well. I was raised in a pastor's home. Uh, My dad was a small church pastor. And uh, back in those days, missionaries would come. And guess where they stayed? They stayed with the pastor. And so I had the privilege of growing up giving my bedroom over to uh, missionaries and sitting around the table and hearing stories at dinner as mom made the roast beef, mashed potatoes, the classic AG pastor's meal. I mean, you know, uh, as well, uh, I remember sitting in the services and they, they would show the slideshow, you know, the little reel. Remember those things, you know, one picture at a time. And at the altar would be, you know, the moccasins and the, and the Moroccos and the snake skins. I mean, it's just kind of where it all started for me. I love missions. And back in the 80s, our church began to kick off missions conventions, you know. And uh, we would have a week of missions uh, from Sunday to Sunday. And, you know, that final Sunday, you know, the big speaker would come in and, uh, you know, I just, I would literally hold on to my chair because I was convinced God was calling me to be a missionary back in the 80s. And I would hold on my chair because I didn't want to go up to the front because that's, they'd make that appeal. And so uh, I never went up to the front, but at some point God spoke to my heart to help me to understand that I have a very important role. In missions, and I'm guessing you do too. All of us have a very important role in missions. We may not be called to go uh, full time, and if you are, then let's let's pursue that. Uh, but for me, my passion, my calling, my drive, what propels me day after day is I want to do all that I can to get the body of Christ ignited, passionate. Uh, obedient uh, regarding mission. So uh, glad that you're here. Thanks for uh, dropping in. Um, um, just very quickly, before we look at some of the dialogue there, or we dialogue about the questions. Um, at Calvary, I have a missions committee, we call it. Um, and so we're talking about working with the team today. Uh, that's, that's one group that I work with. Uh, that group is, is uh, vetted. We look for uh, folks who uh, are members and are supporting missions. And because they help make financial decisions, those names are then ratified by the board. So, so at Calvary, we start there. Um, with with our team of, of eight to ten and and even after all these years I'm still working on redefining their role in fact here in the next I hope few months uh, each each committee member will have a specific role on the committee not just to say yes or no about decisions or helping to, to do events uh, for us but uh, um, we're hoping that um, every committee member will take on the responsibility of overseeing a region of the world. Uh, we'd support a host of missionaries divided up by the regions, and so we want one of our, we want each missions committee to oversee a region of the world. A dial, uh, stay in touch with the missionaries, uh, send them notes and emails when they come into town. They would help to host that missionary if they're overseeing, you know, Asia, for for example. So, so that that's one group. And then we have another group, and this group changes. Uh, we do uh, several trips. Well, not several. We do at least one or two missions trips a year. Uh, we just did a trip to Hungary and Albania back in the fall. 
Uh, we have a student team going back to Hungary in July. Uh, I'm dialoguing with the Bowsers about a possible trip to Peru. Uh, and so that's another team of people that, we work, that I work very closely with. They're, they're a, a, a team with me as well. Uh, any missions teams that we send, that we take, um, um, we, go, we take them through a very uh, difficult process because we want them to be the best team they can be when they go and serve a missionary. And then um, I have a, a team called the Think Tank Team. Uh, they help me think. <laughs> Uh, uh, sometimes your brain gets foggy, and so uh, they're my, they help me think about our grow area of our church, our discipleship. I say all that to say, um, and I didn't do, I did this accidentally. Someone gave me this book about two years ago. Have you seen it? Have you read it? Called Radical by uh, David Platt. A lot about what I'm going to share today comes right from this book. This book ignited me in a, in a big bad way. And so all three of those teams that I mentioned to you, uh, I gave this book to them and then um, we read it and then chapter by chapter um, we talked about it. I prepared handouts. Um, so um, just when we talk about casting a vision, a lot of the vision that we've casted most recently at Calvary regarding missions comes from this book right here. Um, so um, they also have uh, Radical Together. This is a very practical. It takes the principles from this book and helps you to understand how you can bring it together in your church. So these are awesome resources. I mean, it's a discipleship theme, but discipleship, missions is all about discipleship, right? I mean, developing that walk with the Lord. So missions is a part of that. So anyway, just good resources. And... Um, and thinking about uh, today, one of the descriptions, I think, in this workshop is multiple hearts and hands maximize global impact. And so that's what I want to hone in on, on today. Um, so, why are you involved in missions in your church? Someone share, please. Yes? I got involved um, basically after Katrina. Wow, um, Okay. Awesome. So, and then it just—it's—it's it's part of something. Mm-hmm. And then, um, 2015 went to Madagascar. Did you? Good. And then going back again. Okay. Uh, the end of this year. Okay. Good for you. So, um, and since then, I've uh, kind of taken on a leadership role as missions director okay. at, uh, at our church, and just trying to okay. have more than just a missions manager. Mm-hmm. So, okay. You know, All right. The stuff you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. And and I have all kinds of thoughts, but you know, I have the philosophy that everyone needs to go on a missions trip at least one time in your life. Okay. And uh, figure it out. I mean, if you think you're too old, you're not. If you think you're too young, you're not. If you think you're too busy, you're not. If you don't have enough money, you do. <laughs> okay, uh, you need to go on at least one missions trip. And let me just say this: uh, if if you're a part of a church that it's difficult to get a, a team to go, uh, man, team up with another church. If you're not too far from Toledo, talk to me. I would love 
to pull in other team members from other churches uh, to do a trip together because a trip will change your life. And not only that, but we've seen at Calvary, it changes the life of our church. There's a ripple effect that happens. And so, uh, so that's great to hear. Um, why are you involved in missions in your church? Someone else? Yes? I, I would say in the very beginning, it was because of a missionary's testimony. Good. Mm-hmm. And it was so impelling to me because of the desire he had to, to uh, make a relationship with someone who did not know Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it just drove me to that desire. Awesome. Beautiful story. Beautiful. Great. Yes? Yeah, it started with me. I, I just had this desire and passion for people. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, like, oh, you can't do this. You have kids. You have a family. Right, right. And then as I got older, I just had that desire, and God spoke to me about going on a missions trip. Okay. And I had planned on going somewhere else, and he actually changed it okay. in the middle. And I'm like, okay, where's that? So we went. me and my husband went to Guatemala City in 2014. Awesome. And the host that we had took us right down on the streets mm-hmm. where they were, you know, addicted to the glue and hungry and okay. in the dumps. And it just changed our life. You bet it does. So when we came back, the missions coordinator that our church had had left the church and gone somewhere else. So our pastor asked us to step Good. up. Good. So it's a whole new ball game mm-hmm. for us. And okay. we want to learn a lot more okay. about building teams. Okay. Good. Good. And, you know, and please, you know. If you can't get on the plane right now, start serving in your in your community. Mission starts in your backyard. Uh, we have a ministry called Love the Four One Nine. Four One Nine is our area code, and so uh, we love the Four One Nine as well. That's missions, uh, and even even if you can do something within the state or within the country, uh, look for opportunities. Uh, that will whet your appetite until you're able to go somewhere internationally. Uh, you know, let me just say this: we need to keep in mind, and I think you probably know this already, that nowhere in Scripture is missions ever identified as an option program of the church. Amen? So, uh, we're not here because, uh, you know, I'm a little biased, obviously, but, you know, it's not just a department in the church. It is the church. It is the ministry. It is, you know, okay, so we're on the same page. Okay, so, what are you passionate about as it relates to missions? What excites you about missions? Somebody. It excites me because it's the heartbeat of God. Yeah, yes. sure. And I want to Okay, okay. You want to come up here and teach today? So, uh, <laughs> love it, love it. Uh, who else, please? Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a privilege. What a privilege. Yeah. Oh, did he? Okay. Are you from Weston? Okay, okay. Oh, he came to your church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Uh huh. Let, let, let me throw this out. Become a friend to a missionary, you know. I mean, Isaac is a dear friend of mine. He was at our church a few weeks ago and spoke on a Sunday morning. And I've had the privilege to go to Uruguay twice. And so, uh, but I understand what you're saying about the, the privilege. Just, you know, I was a youth pastor in the first 
trip I took was with students to Mexico in 92. And I thought, you know, well, I'll do this. It's not too far from home. It's just a few hours on the plane, and then I'll be done. And I can say I did a missions trip. And then other opportunities came my way. And I was a chicken to fly. I didn't want to go where there were bugs and snakes and dirty <laughs> toilets and all of that. But I'm so grateful that I got over that because I've had the privilege to be in 30 different countries and have had one of the most incredible experiences was in Tibet back in 14. I don't want to go back, <laughs> but it was a great, great, great experience. So uh, uh, let me just share some stats with you that I think are very exciting. In the Assemblies of God, every 29 seconds, one new believer somewhere in the world is added to the church. Okay? Hang on here. Every 29 seconds within the Assemblies of God missions ministries as well as here in the States, every 29 seconds, a new believer is added to the church. I mean, that's an incredible stat. That's an incredible thing to think of. Um, that's why we can be passionate about missions. There we go, 29 seconds. Okay, so someone has just been added to the church through our missionaries, our churches, somewhere around the world. Every six, and I'm sorry, you're writing these down. I didn't give these to you. They're in our, you can look them up online, AGWM. Uh, uh, they have these. Every 63 minutes, one new church somewhere in the world is started. Every 63, no, we won't do that one, okay? Minutes. <laughs> Every 43 minutes, one new minister somewhere in the world is enlisted. Okay? Awesome. The, assembly, the Assemblies of God is serving in 255 countries around the world. That's more than the State Department of our government. Okay? Uh, with over 67, it might be 68 now, million attendees. That's, those are some cool stats. 95% of Assemblies of God attendees worship in a church outside of the United States. Okay? So 95% of our movement is out of the, uh, the United States. Okay? So that says to me, when, when uh, our speaker a moment ago was talking about that battery getting charged, this is happening because God is using people who are filled with God's Spirit, who have been empowered, and one by one, they're making a difference. So that's, that's very cool. Okay, so next what challenge you? what challenges you about missions? Uh, uh, yeah. Organization. I, okay, yeah. Feel your pain, okay? <laughs> so, and let me just say this. I, I feel a little, Jim, I, you know, I'm like, I'm sitting there this morning thinking, oh, there's so many more things that we're not doing at Calvary that we need to do. And I just like... Oh my goodness. So I'm with, it, it's, it's, yeah. Okay, what else? What challenges you about missions? Really, to stimulate the interest. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's, you a, see, that's a challenge? Yeah. Yes, it yeah. is. Interesting. It is. <laughs> I think for our perspective, it's getting the others to be on board about serving in the missions. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Um, I mean, like, you'll have those who are like, yeah, I'll help around mm-hmm. our community, but then go on a longer mm-hmm. trip that's more yeah. than a couple of days. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like that's how our church is. I think I think maybe what you said is you you wanted to go someplace close to home mm-hmm. the
you know, the, I, I've said this before, the most difficult missions trip I've ever been on was 1991, the inner city of Cleveland, with a group of students. Rough. That's the only time we had to take cover because someone was threatening to shoot us. I've traveled all around the world and I've never been in fear of my life except for Cleveland. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you have to be part of missionary in the city yeah. of Cleveland. Good, good. Yes. Okay. Well, and, and you know, our structure, I, I'm a big believer. Again, mission starts in the backyard. Um, 30, 36% of our missions giving at Calvary is within the borders of the United States. Okay? Um, now, um, we have to be careful because uh, I love, I love Chi Alpha, you know, but, but we have to, as, as a team, we're trying to balance out now. If we take on more Chi Alpha, <laughs> then I can't take on more international missionaries. So, so we're, at, we're at the top of what we can do until something changes. And that's our, kind of our strategy or our policy. But l- let, me, let me throw these out. Uh, some, these are some other stats. These are a little bit more sobering, okay? The, these come from what's called the Joshua Project. Of the 7.3 billion people in the world, 7.3 billion, 1.6 billion have never heard one time the truth and the hope of the gospel. Okay? And by the way, that was billion. That's a lot of people. Okay? Um, in the last 40 years, over 1 billion people have died who have never heard of Jesus. And approximately 30 million this year will perish without hearing the message of salvation. That's a lot of souls. Um, you know, uh, back in November, our oldest daughter, her and her, son, her, and her husband, informed us that um, my wife and I, that we're going to be grandparents for the first time. So I know I don't look like it, you know, but uh, uh, in July, I'm going to be a grandpa. And I have no problem being called grandpa. Um, um, but it hit me at some point when I got the news, my daughter is carrying within her a soul. That soul will live forever. And we as a family have a responsibility to nurture that soul, to love that soul, to, to lead that soul to Christ. So 70 million souls, I'm sorry, 30 million souls this year will perish without hearing the message of salvation. 70,000 plus people every day die in the unreached world without Christ. And so you probably have heard this quote, Oswald, Oswald Smith says, we talk of the second coming, but half of the world has yet to hear the first. So um, what propels you in your role as it relates to missions? Okay, uh, Kind of the same as the first question, but what, what causes you to keep doing what you're doing in your, in your church for missions? Right there, that statement you made about the souls. Yeah, that's enough right there. That's enough. I appreciate I see the expression on your face. That's right. Um, that should do something for us. You know, at Calvary, we want to develop world Christians, not just worldly Christians. And uh, being a world Christian is being tapped into missions. Okay, so uh, let, let's do this. Um, the responses to those questions can help you develop uh, your mission's vision for your church, okay? And so we're talking about working together as a team, three broad 
points here that I want to look at today. The first one is cast the vision. Okay? Um, the Apostle Paul had a very different perspective on missions than probably most of us. And I'll give you the blanks, okay? Sorry, I don't have the PowerPoint on the screen. I don't trust technology. It's great, but uh, anyway. So uh, look at what it says. You have this. You have this verse in your handout today. Romans chapter one, verses fourteen through sixteen. I like the Amplified Bible with this passage. It says this. Paul is speaking. He says both to the cultured and to the uncultured, both to the wise and the foolish. I have an obligation. Okay. I have an obligation to discharge and a duty to perform, here we go, and a debt to pay. That's a profound statement there. So for my part, I am willing and eagerly ready to preach the gospel to you who are also in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident Surrender and a firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, next statement in your handout. Paul is saying that he owes a debt to every lost person on the face of the earth. Is it possible to help our churches to kind of own that? (laughs) I mean, that is a great vision for us to propose to our church. It won't be easily received. It won't always excite everyone like it excites or challenges you, but that's okay. That's a good uh, principle to pitch. Here's the next statement. The way he sees it, because he is owned by Christ, he owes Christ to the world. (laughs) Now, I'll just say this. This comes from David Platt's book. This is where I have developed this, all right? So this really did something for me uh, when, I, when I came across it. So this was Paul's attitude. He is saying this. If I am the only one who senses this indebtedness, that changes nothing. I am still indebted. And as long as there is one person left on the earth to whom the invitation to eternal life has not been issued, then I am not a free man. I will remain a bondservant of Christ until the last sheep has been brought into the fold. Now, if you read this book, it's called Radical. What I just shared, what Paul just, that's, that's a radical statement, okay? This book challenges us as Americans. We all have this philosophy that's kind of birthed within us as Americans of fulfilling the American dream, Okay? This tries to knock it out of your, out of your system, okay? And so, if, if we, when we cast that kind of vision to those in our church, they're going to struggle with that. They're going to wrestle with that. Now, when I first read that, I said to myself, wasn't very spiritual. <laughs> I said to myself, well, yeah, Paul, you should feel that way. You were a bad man, <laughs> You know, uh, you were a terrorist to the early church, dragging Christians out of their homes and throwing them into jail. You do owe a debt. But any of us who have received the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's been given to us, we've accepted it. Now we have a responsibility as well. Do you agree? Yes. Yes. Thank you. 
So when we begin to realize that Jesus Christ has paid an infinite debt that secures our eternal destiny, there should be millions of Apostle Pauls roaming around the earth looking for one more person to tell the gospel of the grace of God. Amen? So, that's Paul's vision for missions. Our vision for missions, I think we should adopt Paul's vision, to be, to be honest. The next statement in your handout. What does it say about our understanding of the gift of God that so many feel no indebtedness, no obligation to Christ at all? Again, this, 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 we, we will wrestle to some degree with this because our American dream teaches us that I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. I can give a dollar to missions instead of $10 because I need to, uh, uh, you know. So it is a struggle, and, uh, but it's a vision that can be developed. It can, it can be shared, and, and, and uh, gradually it begins to grow in the hearts and lives of people. Our vision should be that like that of the Apostle Paul's. And this is your next statement. We are in debt to the nations. Does that rock your world? Do you struggle a little bit? That's a high calling. But I believe that is the mission that we should adopt as followers of Christ, those of us who are leading in our churches. Next statement is this, we owe Christ to the world, to the least and to the greatest, to the richest person and to the worst person. There was no beginning and ending points on the scale of who Paul felt obligated to reach. In other words, every saved person, this side of heaven, that's us, owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. Now that's radical. (laughs) But it can change your life and it can change the lives of those in your church once we begin to move in that direction as we cast that kind of vision. Alright? So, how do we do that? (laughs) It starts with all of us, first of all. Number one, it starts starts with you and I. So, I'm like, I'm like the rest of, of you. I mean, I get on this missions kick, you know, for a few weeks, and then I get sloppy and lazy in how I pray or how I give or, or my focus or, or whatever. And so you've got to put yourself in a position where you're, where you're constantly being challenged and reminded of, 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 of your role. Secondly... Lay the groundwork throughout your church or throughout the team of people that you work with. I wouldn't, I mean, seriously, I've seen this book, and you know, I should get a little, little, David Platt should, you know, compensate me a little bit here. But, uh, I mean, I've seen this book change people's lives who've read it. I mean, literally. Uh, they've come back, like, we'll, I'll assign a couple chapters, and then we have our meeting the next month. They come back, and then they're like, oh, wow. Wow. You know, I prepare handouts from the chapters and we go through things. I mean, so, so begin, begin to lay the groundwork, cast this vision, challenge people. So in the last, um, just in the last two years, I had a gentleman 
uh, give this book to me. He met me for breakfast one day. He said, I have this book I want you to read. People give me books all the time, okay? And if you... It took me a while to figure out what that was. It's, it's a house turned upside down, okay? It's, it's going against the American dream. So he said... You know, I've heard you teach, I've heard you preach, I think you'll like this book. And so I began to read it, and I like the book. I mean, um, it just has done a number in my heart. So, so um, three of our groups have read this book during the summer months last year. Um, I did a study on Radical on a Wednesday night. And some of the notes I'm sharing with you today, I preached back in October during our missions convention. And our church, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing challenge struggle to keep the missions vision alive. But they begin to get it. And that's really exciting. Number three, in casting this vision, how do we do it? I've kind of said this already. Vision must be reviewed and renewed in our hearts. And then, number four, prayerfully determine enormous goals for missions. Okay, and that's the next major highlight here. Establish almost impossible mission goals. Okay? Um, now, I, for me, because I, I, I set some goals. It's up to you. You know how things work better in your church. But for me, it was good for me to, to, develop, to, to get the vision and then to think through and pray through the goals. So I, I set the goals. I presented them to our different teams. And they began to buy in as we talked, as we prayed, as they read the book. Okay, So for me, it, it worked well for me to kind of establish the goals. But uh, here, look at, at this um, quote by St. Augustine. I love this. Without God, we cannot. We all say amen to that, right? But here's, here, the next part of this is so amazing. Without us, God will not. Okay? So God's plan, I say this all the time at Calvary. They get so tired of me saying this. But it is God's plan to use everyday, ordinary people like you and I to advance his kingdom. He is not going to show up on the earth and, 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 and proclaim his message in a physical way like he did when, when Christ was born, you know, 2,000 years ago. But he is going to use people like you and I to fulfill that vision. And so therefore, uh, uh, we, we've got to get on it. God has always used people to fulfill his purposes. God's divine plan is to use you and I. Some will pray. Some will give. Some will go. Some will cast a vision. Some will set the goals. Some will lead. Uh, but we're all involved in this partnership. And here's the cool thing. But we'll all receive the reward. So, my point here is that we should establish some long-range goals that almost seem impossible, but as we cast the vision, as we faithfully and prayerfully work towards pursuing those goals, God will do his part. Okay? But we have to we have to kick it off. Alright? So now I think the goals I like simple. <laughs> I don't need to be uh, too profound or uh, we just have three simple goals for our church. Praying, giving, going. Okay? I mean that's mission. So the first one here is praying. Okay? Okay. I'm sure. Like, I, I've heard stories 
of, of missionaries that have come home and, and they know or they knew that an old saint back home was praying. God spoke to their heart. They were, they were, uh, God spoke to their heart in the middle of the night and they woke up to pray for a specific missionary. You've heard those stories, you know. My concern is there's not many of those left. I know at Calvary, uh, 20 years ago when I said missions, there were some old saints, they just get their checkbooks out and start writing checks. I mean, that's just what they did. Or when it was time to pray, they would pray down heaven on behalf of missionaries. They're all in heaven right now. (laughs) And so we're trying to raise up another generation of people who will not be so consumed in fulfilling their American dream, but will be praying for missionaries in the world and the lostness of man. The next statement here is this. We are a planning, strategizing, implementing people, yet fulfillment of the Great Commission requires that we be a praying people. Praying, you know, I've heard this from missionaries. Thank you for the monthly check. And they mean that. But please pray. Please pray. So we need to raise up a prayer strategy for missions in our churches. That, I think, is a no-brainer goal that we have to do. And let me warn you, this goal right here is more difficult than the giving goal. <laughs> Praying, getting, getting a group of people to pray consistently and faithfully is not an easy, easy job. Okay? So, um, back in 2015, our church... Our missions team set up some goals for missions. Almost impossible praying goals. Um, here are our praying goals at our church. I'm just going to give you, and, and, and I'm looking at these, I'm thinking, well, we need to update this. We can tweak that. But, but this is the basic, basic, thing, basic thing that we do. We have what's called a missions prayer task force. I am blessed to have a missions assistant because of... of uh, what we're doing for missions, I need some help. And so she's a part of our church team. She has other responsibilities as well. But she maintains a, a, uh, a database, an email database of people who have said, I want to pray for missions and missionaries. And so once a week, she will send an email. Um, sometimes they come through AGWM. Sometimes she'll be going through, for example, the Worldview magazine, which y- you need to get for your church. They're 50 cents a piece, I think. I mean, great pictures, great stories. I mean, it's awesome. But usually in the back of each one of these, there are prayer requests for the particular topic or region of the world. And so at least once a week, she will send an email out Please pray for the following. And she lists them. So right now, we're sending about 300 emails out a week uh, to people who want to pray, who, who've said, I want to be on this missions protest force. Okay? Our goal, here's our goal. So praying is our goal. Uh, the missions per task force, our goal is to have 500 people on that, on, that, on, that ta- on that task force. We kicked this off almost three years ago. We're at about 300, okay? And what, um, I'll talk more about how we do that here in a minute, okay? And then the other one is what we call our monthly missions connect. So at Calvary, uh, Wednesday nights, you know, we have our kids' ministry, our youth ministry, 
And then we have what we call grow groups for adults. So we meet in a chapel for a time of worship for the first 30 minutes. And then we dismiss our adults into their different grow groups, classes. On the first Wednesday of every month, we shut down the classes and we have Missions Connect. We go into our main auditorium because there's more room in there because when you pray, you need to have elbow space, right? <laughs> and so uh, we, we uh, pray and, at, and we call the church uh, for, a, for a, a night of prayer. The goal that I sat for that was 500. I want to see 500 coming to, uh, to church on a Wednesday night to pray. When I sat that goal, set that goal, I thought to myself, yeah, right, Bill, that'll never happen. <laughs> I mean, have you called at prayer meeting lately? How many people show up? <laughs> okay. And then when it's about missions, I mean, so it's a, it's a daunting goal. Right now we're running just about 100. I'll take it, you know. Uh, but I'm challenging our church every chance I get. You know, we, we, you know, I was raised in the church. My dad, I mean, I, I, I understand. I get it. I struggle. My flesh does stay home as well. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, it's, it's tough because we typically run about 200 adults on a Wednesday night for Bible study. And when it's time to pray for missions, we're getting about 100. All right? So... But I'm bound and determined uh, to work with our teams uh, to continue to cast that vision and encourage our people to come and pray. Um, And so I'll tell you what we do in those nights here in just a minute. All right. The next goal, we're praying and then we're giving, obviously. It takes money to to fulfill the Great Commission. And so... um, And this is a challenge. I mean... Um, people assume that maybe Calvary's been a missions church for years and years and years. But it's still a challenge to get people to buy into giving to missions. So the next statement here says, if God can give through you, he will give it to you. That's the faith promise concept, okay? Um, So uh, we also have this um, belief at Calvary, when when we take care of the world, God will take care of us. So, when I arrived at Calvary 34 years ago, long story, but we were in financial... I had no clue. I was just there to be a teacher and do my thing. And, but uh, they, we built a new building. There was poor management of the finances of the building and so forth and so on. And things were rough. I was told that um, every Sunday, there were bill collectors standing outside our doors waiting to get paid because they knew we were taking an offering. Um, that's how bad it was. And so there was all kinds of issues. But in 1985, the pastor at that time and the board made a crazy decision. We were supporting missionaries. Uh, mission was a part, of, a part of, our, uh, of our church. But they took on 20 more missionaries. Because they, be- they believed that if, we, if they take care of the world, God would take care of our church. So before they paid <laughs> the electric bill, they made sure the missionaries got their checks first. Okay, It didn't happen overnight. I mean, there was threats of closing the church doors. It was that serious. But 30-some years later... We're still there. The church is growing and great things have happened. But we truly believe that if you take care of the world, God will take care of your church. Um, now, 
Let me just give you some interesting stats here. I, I put these in here. Um, if you know me, I'm not a fan of Halloween. Okay? But I won't go, I won't share why. Well, I'll just say this. Um, I had the opportunity to interview a former Satanist in my office years and years ago. Long story how she came to, to, to meet me. It was, uh, she, was, she was 18. It was her 18th birthday. <laughs> And uh, she was running away from her family because she was conceived and born to be sacrificed to Satan on her 18th birthday. And she ends up in my, in my, in my door. Crazy story. So along with me and, our, and another pastor, we interviewed her, and I asked her about Halloween. So once you hear a former Satanist inform you about what Satan, what Satan is doing on Halloween, Halloween doesn't become a priority anymore. Anyway, Americans will spend last year on Halloween... billion. With a B. Yeah. Okay? That is $700 million, that's your next blank, more than last year. Okay? Americans gave less money to reach the unreached than they spent buying Halloween costumes for their pets. Pets. I said pets. That gets me so fired up. <laughs> my wife and my daughter, they kind of like to tease me when we go shopping and they see these... these, these. We have two little puppy dogs. We love our puppy dogs. That's cool. That's nice. Nothing wrong with puppy dogs. Okay, you know? But uh, I've said to my family, when we are spending more money on our dogs than we give to missions, we've got a problem. And when our country spends more money on buying costumes for their pets than they do in loving the world. Okay, so, um, almost impossible giving goals. Um, so we set a dollar figure for our church. And it's, and, and it, it's a big one. And um, I, I won't share that necessarily, but one thing that we do constantly, and this is a big part of what, I, my, what my role is, is, is to help people to understand the difference between general missions giving and designated missions giving. Okay? People, we give to projects. That's fantastic. Praise God. Uh, we, give, we give to uh, people who go on trips. That's great. We love the 419. That is great. If God speaks to you to, to designate some of your missions giving to a, a particular missionary, you've got to do what God tells you to do. But what we, what we, but what we tell people, I'm trying to hurry, is um, don't forget the big missions pot that you need to give to to help us to support the 169 missionaries that we're supporting right now on a monthly basis to keep them on the field. That's not fun to do. That's not ex- people don't get excited about that until they meet a missionary, until they hear their story, and so we're constantly, as a church, banging this drum. So you've got to set some kind of a financial goal and then keep that in front of your people at, all the time. What's really encouraging, this past year, and, and this, is, this is a combination of God doing His part and people doing their part, we saw a 20% increase in general missions giving last year. So when churches and pastors and leaders say, we can't do it, yes, you can do it. 
it do, I mean, it's hard work. It's not easy. You've got to help lead that as you cast the vision, as you set the goal, as you pursue the goal. But it can happen. It won't happen overnight. This is the first time in years that we've seen a bump in our general missions giving. We, our total missions giving is fantastic. But we see the general missions giving going down because it's easier to give. And we, Does that make sense? Uh, so that's another goal that we set is we want to support 200 missionaries in the next, within the next 10 years. So I believe in the missionary. Research states that supporting the missionary is the best, invi- uh, best investment with your mission dollar. Um, again, all the other ministries we support as well, but we cannot forget about the individual missionary. They are the ones on the field making the difference, uh, so we got to do that. Okay. The third goal, we're doing okay, is going. Um, here's another passage uh, from the Amplified Bible. You've heard this before, Matthew 9. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. A few. So pray that the Lord of the harvest, here we go, to force out and thrust laborers into, the, into his harvest. I love that, that wording there. So, we know this passage, but let's give it a little bit of a spin here. Before Christ told his disciples to do anything, he told them to pray. That's goal number one. Take up an offering is good, but before you take up an offering, get your church to pray. Teach them how important that is. He even told them what to pray for. Jesus didn't say to pray for those who are lost. He said to pray for the church. When Jesus looked at uh, the harassed and the helpless, the multitudes of people that needed uh, salvation, his concern was not that the lost would come to the Father. Instead, he was concerned that we wouldn't do our part in praying that others would go into the harvest field and, and, and go to the lost. The multitudes are waiting to hear and our most urgent need is to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out Christians into the harvest field. One of our missions connect months, that was our theme. The only thing we're praying for this month is this passage right here. We're going to pray that God will raise up people from our church to go into the harvest field. So this is the first step that you and I often overlook and yet the one that is most dangerous for us to ignore. It is clear that we are called to pray for God to raise up people, even from our own church. Calvary, we like to say that we are a sending church. And so we have set some almost impossible going goals. For example, short-termers. In the next 10 years, we want to see 500 people from Calvary uh, go on a missions trip. Uh, right now we're at about, we're, I think we're in the 40s since, since, since we kicked this off three years ago. All right. Now here's the big one, the long-termers. We're asking God to raise up from Calvary. We hope that 10 years from now, there will be 100 fewer people in our church because they're out somewhere uh, fulfilling the Great Commission. Um, right now we're at five. Okay, and that's that's a slow process. Um, I was challenged yesterday in one of our meetings. Uh, we need to do a better job at Calvary in helping our kids um, 
get missions exposed, you know, as a lot of times uh, missionaries are called when they're kids. Um, we do a pretty good job for our students, uh, for our adults, but we need to keep that alive uh, for our kids as well. And so, um, almost impossible going goals. Now, cast a vision, establish some God goals, and then the third thought here is you got to pursue the goals. <laughs> okay? Goals don't just happen um, by osmosis. We have to uh, aggressively begin to pursue the goals. Let me give you a couple cautions, though. First of all, you will question the goals that were established. So once you set your goals, it will be normal for you to go, <laughs> Oh dear, <laughs> what did we just do? <laughs> Um, so that's normal, but be careful. Secondly, you will be overwhelmed with, with the responsibility of leading. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to lead. Why not you? I mean, as God develops that vision in you, you can do it. Um, and then the third one is this, you will be lonely <laughs> uh, in your role in the pursuit uh, we love hearing about leadership and what it takes to be a leader, but it's lonely at the top sometimes, isn't it? Especially as it relates to missions, I, I believe. Um, because not, I mean, you all expressed very well some of your passions and challenges and why you're involved. And, and, and some of you even hinted at the fact that how do I get people to, to buy into this? Absolutely. It's, it's a lonely job. So, Pursuing the goals. Um, let me just be very practical with what we're trying to do. And you know what? It's not enough. I'm challenged as I'm thinking through this even more today. Praying. Um, so every time we have any kind of missions event, that prayer task force, we have a sign-up sheet somewhere in the lobby. If you want to be on this task force, please sign up. And every year, my assistant and I, we, we go through it, and you know, some people have died, some are no longer a part of our church, so we clean it out, we want to keep it, we want to know that people on that list are praying, that they're passionate, and so forth. Um, our Missions Connect, I love our Missions Connect. Um, so once a month, on a Wednesday night, we shut down our classes, and we come into the auditorium sanctuary for prayer. Every month we have a different theme. Uh, last month it was, it was Peru. I gave everyone a magazine, one of these magazines when they came in. I had met with the Bowsers. They were home for about a month for a medical uh, issue. And so I interviewed them in my office. We videotaped them. So we showed the video. And then they gave me some things that they could, we could be praying for. Um, I, the article in here gave me some ideas. So what we did is... Um, and we try to be creative, you know, and that's getting hard for me. Um, but uh, every, we do a lot of prayer walking, a lot of, um, we don't, if people sit in their chairs on a Wednesday night at 7.30, you know what they're going to do? Yeah, you would too. So um, we need to get people moving around. And uh, so for this particular uh, night, I, I had like about 10 requests. And we put them on the screen and I asked them to choose one. Choose one, and now get, get up out of your seat and find a place and go pray for that one prayer need for Peru. 
And then we set up mics in the auditorium as, as people feel led. They came and they prayed uh, in the mics, and it, it, was, it was a great night. Um, at Calvary, I don't know about your church, I've been told the reason some don't come to a prayer meeting is they're afraid they're going to have to lead out in prayer. They're not comfortable praying in the circle. Uh, that's where we're at as a church. And so I try to be sensitive to that. Um, and uh, I don't know if that's an issue for your church. Um, but ask God to give you some creative ideas. One of our missions connects. i just gotten back from Tibet. And so um, I found some creepy Tibetan music. I mean, it was creepy. And um, we had prayer stations around our facility. Um, and I would you know, put a prayer request on the wall, put a picture... You know, they would go to the different prayer stations and pray for that particular need. And I played the creepy music. I said, you got to understand, um, in Tibet, um, this is what Christians have to deal with. They're here in the, the, the Buddhist religion. It's demonic. It's, it's creepy. It's, it's, it, you sense it and you feel it throughout. At least I did when I was there. And so I wanted them to feel the struggle that a missionary or that a Christian has to go through to maintain a healthy prayer life. And then I did something really crazy. You can't pray out loud in Tibet. While we were there, we had, to, we had code words you know, for missionary and God and prayer and church. So if you can't pray out loud, how do you pray? So I gave them each a piece of masking tape and then to put it over their mouth because you can't pray out loud. So here's a hundred people walking around our sanctuary, the creepy music going on, and they all got a tape over their mouth. I mean, if someone would have come in and didn't know what we were doing, they would have thought we had really, you know. Uh, but, but people still talk about that today. So um, see what you can do uh, to be creative, to get people to pray. I'm telling you, it's a tough job. It's a tough job. Secondly, giving, pursuing giving. Again, we're hammering this as often as I can. In our church, people do not understand how missions works. About the general missions giving and how, how missionaries go around and they have to raise support and we partner with them to help them. And so I am sharing that constantly, helping people to understand. Um, I would encourage you, as, as, as you select team members, you want to make sure team members are going to be bought in for missions, but some team members, um, um, this may be their, their, first, their first opportunity to learn about missions. That's a great way to teach people about missions is to get them on your team. You know, um, So... Uh, we communicate constantly, constantly. And then we celebrate. Uh, this past year, I told you we had a 20% increase in our general missions giving. So this past Wednesday was our annual church business meeting. So our pastor allowed me to get up and share uh, this good news to our church. And because of it, because of, a, because of um, this 20% increase, we took on 21 new missionaries. Um, every missionary got a bonus check besides their monthly check. We were able to give another $32,000 in special projects and so forth. And the whole church, as I began to share that, the people, were, the people that were at the meeting were like, oh, you could hear it. Oh, and they begin to clap. And, and you know, so you've got to celebrate when, when the impossible, when God does the impossible, using his people to do the impossible. You're going to, please. I, I don't want to take you off your schedule. Go for it. Time for questions. Yes, yes. 
Go, yeah, please, right now. Okay. You lead trips, you're forming your team. Do you have an application process, interview process? How do you put your team together? Great question. Great question. We do. We do. Um, probably the best way for me to answer that is for me to get your email address, and I would be happy to send you our packet. Would that, would that work? Why don't you put your email address on the board? Okay. Yeah. Okay. This new board kind of thing doesn't... Um, here we go. Here we go. I was... It's, it's, it's so long. That's the at. Okay, I don't do that very well. I'm almost done. <laughs> Can you read my writing? My assistant rolls her eyes all the time. Bill McGinnis at ToledoCalvary.org. Please, I would be happy. Happy. That's, that's what we want to do. Um, we... <laughs> We had an interesting situation this last time because the culture is changing and our church like is changing and, and new people are coming in. So we had a dear young lady hear about our missions trip and she wanted to go and so she signed up. Um, well, we, I'll tell you this. What we tell people is you pay that deposit, fill out the application and then you come to the first meeting. At the first meeting, um, we talk about the Ten Commandments of a missions trip and I hammer it hard. And it's, it's tough. And we tell them after that first meeting, if you don't think you can do what we're asking you to do, then we will gladly refund your deposit and uh, you can wait another time. There's spiritual requirements. Um, but here, here was the dilemma. <coughs> ah. she, uh, he, she and her boyfriend are living together. Um, so what do you do about that? You know, which which we have all the time. Um, so so we're in the process of developing. We decided after talking with her. I mean, a lot of these folks they don't have any. They're, they're, they don't have a clue. They don't know that's inappropriate. That's sinful. That's wrong. So we walk them through the process. We help them to understand that. Yada yada yada. We decided to let her go because we felt it would be an incredible discipleship uh, opportunity for her to help her in her growth. Um, I had some people that did not agree with us. Um, I, I'm not saying that you should do that. That's what we, what we decided to do. But here's the crazy story. <laughs> so we're getting ready to leave for Hungary, October the 23rd, 4.30, be at the church. She's not there. So I waited till 5 o'clock. The shuttle's ready to take us to the airport. You know, she's not there. I call her. Didn't reach her. I called her fiancé. And... Uh, I said, hello, how are you? I said, uh, is uh, so-and-so on her way? And he said, well, why? <laughs> I said, well, we're leaving for Hungary here today. He went, today? She thought we were leaving the next day. So they hopped in, the, got her bags packed, hopped in the car. They're on the way to the airport, hurrying. Because they, they, we had to leave. Um, the airport, Detroit, half hour, an hour from us. And so on the way, they were in an accident. <laughs> Total the car. Uh, they they were okay, and um, I don't know. You can read that any way you want. Um, some thought that was God's way of saying, you know, and I probably made a bad decision. I don't know, but but 
anyway, I'll be happy to see that. So, uh, pursuing going, um, we have. So we we want to make it easy for people to experience. So we provide missions projects or, or global projects. Um, um, we want to do more in the next year than we've ever done. We want to do two or three trips a year instead of one a year. Um, we're trying to choose different parts of the world so that it's not as taxing for someone to go. We're looking at a trip to maybe to Haiti. Uh, someone can go there for under $1,500 probably, be gone a week and not have to give up two weeks. And so we're trying to provide different opportunities so that people can have a chance to go. Um, and then it's, then I have here praying John 937 through38. That's how you get people to go is to pray for people to go. And so I would encourage you that maybe for one of your well I already said this, for one of your if you do like a, a prayer service, pr- pray this passage for your people. And then what we're doing is we're, we're putting these goals in hard copies, presenting them to our church, and then for one of our missions connects, we're, that whole night, that will be our focus in prayer. Just praying for God to help us to pursue, pursue the goals. Um, so, I was supposed to leave 15 minutes for questions. Is that John or Matthew 7? Is that John or Matthew 9? Oh, that's wrong. It's Matthew 9. Is, did I say John? I sure did. It's in the notes of John. Yeah, it's Matthew. Thank you, brother. He's my brother. He's real good at correcting me. No, I'm teasing. You know, I came across this quote. Here's the bottom line. Um, you see it here in your handout. Thanks, Tim. Seriously. Uh, a lack of interest in missions is not caused by absence of compassion or commitment or by a lack of information. A lack of interest in missions is not remedied by more shocking stats, which I like to share, more gruesome stories, I like to share those too, or more emotionally commands to obedience. It is best remedied by intensifying our passion for Christ so that the passions of His heart become the passions that propel our hearts. And so... Um, that's what we pray for as well. So Paul is the guy that we looked at at the very beginning. Uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 4, I was reading this yesterday. Philippians chapter 4, verse uh, 9, Paul says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. <laughs> so that's our challenge. Paul has given us a vision for missions. Now he says, put it into practice. Amen? Questions, thoughts, comments, Tim, snide remarks? <laughs> Please, yes. Uh, is your church do, some churches do where if you have a mission trip, the church will help support materials and then the individuals provide their own? Yes. Yes, yes. Um, they're responsible for raising their funds. We give them a letter that they can use. We don't normally do fundraising for them. Because for us, the team is so large, it would only be a drop in the bucket that we could raise. But we work hard to raise the funds for the project. And every missions trip has a different kind of project. Like Uruguay was like a $30,000 project. Some are only $5,000. So, yeah, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. I want to recommend another book. Yes. For our book readers. Uh, our missions community church is actually doing it right now. It's called uh, Gain by Losing. 
why the church belongs to churches that why the future belongs to churches that set by, by J.D. Greer. Gain by losing. Gaining by losing. Gaining by losing. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, J.D. Greer. Pastor J.D. Greer. Okay. And then one more question right here. Yeah, right here. Um, when you set your goals for your like your task force and stuff, do you look at the size of your church? Sure. Because I like is it like a certain percentage you're looking at? When you're it's just a heart thing, a God thing. Okay. Obviously, you take that in, in, in consideration. You know. Yeah. Um, they have to be large enough that almost seem impossible, but you can see with God's help that you could very well attain it. And again, for us, this is for ten years. So, all right. Thanks so much.